Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Not Your Average Church Girl. Today, we are speaking with three valiant, passionate, wise, and loving pastors. As you know, this season, I'm speaking with different female leaders in the church. Each week, you're going to hear from different women. They're going to share their role, their different experiences. And last week, I spoke with two pastors' wives. Today, you will hear from three women that are co-pastoring with their husbands. That is different from the two women from last week because they did know that they do not hold the role or the title of a pastor. But these three, these three strong women co-pastor with their husbands. So I have asked my really good friends, Erica Ordonez, Diaritza Florian to join me today, and another amazing pastor, Lupita Navarre, who has had an influence over me and really any other leader that I've met in our denomination, going to Bible school, I know who you were. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, All right. Hello. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves, ladies? Okay. So um, my name is Diaritza. I have two beautiful children, Alexis and Ezekiel, and we just purchased a new dog. So that's a handful. Um, his name is Choco, and I am married to Alex Florian. My name is Erica Ordonez, and my husband's name is Mario Ordonez. We have three little ones. They're all under um, seven years old. It's Ethan, Eleni, and Benaya. So uh, they keep me very, very busy. And we are pastors here in the city of Fallbrook, and the name of our church is Centro Cristiano de Victoria. Yes. Hi. Uh, my husband's name is Guadalupe Navar. Actually, we have the same name. So that's why everyone calls me Lupita, and he is Lupe. <laughs> I have a son. He's 42, and my daughter is 33. I have a precious granddaughter. She'll almost be three. And we have a dog called Rango. And we share him with my daughter because she acquired him first. And then I fell in love with him. So when she got married, uh, we kind of split. And whoever has more time to you know, spend with him, that's where he's at. As I've mentioned, you're all pastors. Can you tell me how long have you been pastoring? Okay, well, we've been pastoring for four years already. Um, we went into a transition. So it's kind of, it was a church before for 40 years almost. And then we became a church plant. <laughs> so it has been interesting. <laughs> and we have been um, pastors now. It's going to be this year. It's going to be 10 years in November that we started here. It's a church plant. Yeah, it's it's been, wow, it's been 10 years. Yeah. We've, we are going on, well, this January was 32 years. We planted the church in Reseda, and it's been quite a journey. I have really enjoyed pastoring the church. And I love that all three of you planted uh, your churches with your husbands. When you were married, when you first got married, did you know you were going to be pastors? Did it just come into conversation later on? Like what, what I, obviously God, God was telling you you're going to be pastors. Okay. But what made you want to be pastors? It's obviously a God given. Next, I did speak with my husband um, as we were dating and I knew his calling and 
Um, I went to Bible school, first of all, not knowing what to expect of God, leaving there knowing that, you know, pastoral would be a role, possibly, even though I didn't want to accept it. <laughs> and yeah, but it's been quite a obedient kind of journey with God. So uh, for me, I always felt called um, when I went to Bible school. That's where I met my husband. We did talk a lot about, you know, serving and being in ministry. But, you know, the pastoral part, I was not, I didn't really want to do that because I did have family that came from pastoral background. So I knew the challenges. And so I, you know, I wanted to serve. I know that my heart was to serve in the church. I wanted to do everything that I could. I just didn't want to be like the lead pastor. That was never something I, you know, I wanted to do because it, it kind of scared me, I think. And so you know, we dated and my husband always felt to do more like evangelistic and all that stuff. So he, he never really said, okay, we're going to end up being pastors. But when we got married, then he started telling me, you know what, I really do feel God is going to end up calling us to be pastors. And I was like, no, I don't think so. We, we just got married. We need a lot more, you know? And so he's like, no, I do think it's going to happen. I'm like, well, let's uh, you know, I was very hesitant, but I said, well, let's just pray, you know, whatever God says, you know, we'll do what God wants us to do. I always knew that whatever God would lead us to do, I would do it because I wanted to serve him. Those conversations came and then that time came where the, do the door just opened. It was just, it was really God. It, we were, I was not looking for that and, and it just happened. And I knew that it was, it was God's timing. You know, it, it was definitely, uh, I think God worked a lot more in my heart than it did in my husband. He already felt that confirmation. He was very ready. And for me, it was like a process. And, but I knew, you know, now being doing this now for almost 10 years, it's, it's the most beautiful thing to really pastor a church. In my case, uh, my husband and I got married. We were not saved. We didn't come from Christian families uh, whatsoever. So, um, that was not in our agenda, even to be saved. I mean, we, we would run away from evangelicals who try to witness. I would just shy them and say, eh, nope, that's not for me. Uh, nope, not for me. Maybe, maybe when I'm like an old person and I, I'm retired and maybe I'll see God, but I, I have a lot of plans and that is not in my plans. My husband was the same. I mean, plus we didn't have any people in our family that we knew um, they hadn't been saved. I mean, so we had no, no one really witnessing to us. But when I was saved, I knew that I had a call in my life. I knew that I knew that I knew the day that I was saved, that I had some calling. So two years after I was saved, my husband was saved. It took us six years to be planted in a church, to learn, to grow, to be discipled. And um, the last year that we were uh, members of the church, active members, I was a deacon, I was uh, the women's ministries um, president, that was the title that was given back in 88. Um, that year, the Lord just spoke to us constantly. And there was something in our hearts that told us God wants more of us. We didn't know what it was. Um, those eight years from being saved to really beginning uh, to plant the church, I always felt like missions was 
part of my thing. I loved missions. In fact, we did missions work back in those days, um, small trips to um, Baja California, like Ensenada, Rosarito, a weekend thing because I had a full-time job. My husband had a full-time job, but the call came to both of us to start together. Uh, it's a very unique calling. Uh, yeah, no, I always say it's not an ordinary call because we were both called. We just didn't know what role uh, we were both going to do to please God. But as he directed us, um, that's what we ended up like beginning and co-pastoring both. He was always the senior pastor and I was the lead pastor. And so it's been for the last 32 years. I would just like to point out that these women understood that God was leading them to be pastors. It wasn't just my husband is pressuring me to be a pastor or my husband is called to be a pastor, so I guess I'll be one too. No, they understood that God was leading them to be pastors, not just themselves, but to pastor alongside with their husband and they moved in that manner. All right, ladies, so you've answered the call. You're ready to do this. You're on board. What does the road to starting a church look like? We started at the Nueva Vida, which was established for about 40 years. Um, we have we had taken over um, from the old pastor, which um, ended up being his dad. Um, and I believe it was God's timing. It was those moments where you're like, do I go with the calling of God or do I run away with all my excuses? And I knew the steps of God that were coming closer and closer to us. And so when we took over the church, Alex and I had talked about, you know, he had just this big desire to be a, ch a church plant. Um, how, how that looked, we didn't know. Um, we just, I would just hear him out and I would just pray, God, hold up more time, please. After a year and a half of being pastors at, at that church, God was tugging on my husband again and saying, you need to do a church plant, close down this church and start a new church. And that's what we did. Um, it's been a, quite a process and it hasn't been easy, but it's what God has put in our hearts to do. Um, I, for me, it was it was, we were serving at a church in Covina and we were youth leaders there. And so we were going, we felt like the church was going to a transition. And my husband had told me, you know, we're going to go. I feel like God is going to call us out. I don't know where, how, or anything. So we, just, we were praying during that process. We had been praying almost for a year. Uh, we had even thought maybe we're going to move out of California, you know, maybe we'll go to, you know, where he was. He had been living in Colorado. So he was like, maybe that's where I need to go and maybe help my pastor over there. And I said, okay. And so we both felt it was a season was coming of change, of transition. And so we just were praying and we were saying, where whatever you got, you want to do, God, you know, wherever you want to lead us. And so I knew in my heart that it could be that too, you know, that it could be eventually to be pastoral, but I, I didn't think it was going to be that soon. I really thought we were going to go and, and help a pastor, you know, and, and support them. And so I remember that during that process, we had been praying, we had been asking God to just open doors to lead us to really just be him. We didn't want to go by our emotions. And we didn't want to go for, you know, it just anything. 
And so during that season, that's when we started um, seeing how things just started coming together. You know, I had I actually had lived here in Oceanside that is really close to Fallbrook. And so the church that I came from had gone through a transition where um, the senior pastor had decided to leave the denomination that it was under, there was Assemblies of God. So they decided to go to Calvary Chapel. The, there was a small group of people that said, but we've always been AG, you know, so we don't want to leave AG. And so they called the district and they told them, you know, can we want to continue as an AG church? Um, can you guys send a pastor or, you know, help us? And so all of that was happening during that season. And I, we found out about it. And so we didn't think, oh, we're going to go and be pastors. We came on weekend and my husband had to do like a, I don't know, like a message. And they, that little small group called them and said, oh, you know, would you do a Bible study? We're, we're meeting in homes right now. So would you do a Bible study? And he said, oh yeah, I'll go. And I had to buy, I had to do like a Bible study too for youth for another church. So we came that weekend. And after that weekend, um, that's when we started seeing how God just started opening doors. Um, our pastor Freddie, um, he was supervising that small group. And so he called me and he told me, Erica, you know, you know, this small church, you know, this small group, I do think that you and Mario should be the ones, you know, to help build it up, you know, start all over. Um, you know, you can see it as something temporary, but see what God says, you know, just see what God says. And so he came to where I was working in LABI in, in the office and he told me. So then that afternoon I went and told my husband and he said, you see, I told God, God, if you're going to call us, tell her first. <laughs> I was like, so like, so you cannot deny that that is God. And I was like, no, I know. And I started crying because I was like, I know, I know it's God. And so he's all like, so you see, you just, God is leading us. And I said, oh man, he's like, we're going to have to go. So that's how our process started. We started traveling, you know, we were in La Puente. So we had to be coming every weekend. We would spend the night with some family member over here in San Diego. And then we would go back on Sunday night. And that's how it was for about, you know, from October to um, February. So we did that for quite a few months. And then we made that choice and said, God, okay, this is the door you, you open. So we're going to move now. And we've been here ever since. So it was around May of uh, 1988 that we received uh, a word from God, like, it's your time. It's now. We had been battling whether, what do we do? Should we plant a church? Where do we do it? So we started scoping Santa Maria, Diamond Bar, and uh, word just was coming to our lives incredibly, like one after another after another. And I remember it was a, a WM convention where Ray Mesa <laughs> just poured a word into our hearts. And then uh, Brother Sam Sanchez, who used to be the, the superintendent back in the days, another word and from may till about um september october of 88 we finally said okay we have to do it i mean what else are we waiting for we've received confirmation after conversation so we agreed around november to um be dismissed from our church where we had worked but we had already shared with the pastor the desire you know to plant a church um, way back like a year before and then even that year so we said okay we do it or we do it so we both decided okay we're going to start the first Sunday of January we're going to open our home 
And we're just going to ask people, you know, we're going to have a Bible study. You're welcome to come. We're just going to start at our home. And uh, we began with 10 people that knew us, 10 people that knew us. And then to our surprise, um, by the end of March, we had about 60 people that were coming. And we saw God's seal of approval, God saying, I'm with you. Um, so by July of that same year, we, we had to leave our home because the, um, the neighbors were complaining that we were too noisy. Uh, we would have vigilias, you know what vigilias are, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and we would see God's glory. So again, the word from God, you got to leave, you know, your home and start looking for a place. So by July of 1989, we had already rented a house in kind of like a vacant lot. And by two, three months, we were up to 80 people. So God was just amazing us. We felt so inadequate. We felt so, but there was no time to really reflect on, on us. It was not about us. It was about him doing, you know, uh, miracles, deliverance, um, salvations, baptisms by six months. I think we had baptized like 30 people and they were most of them new. So that was our journey with the new church, growing with them because we had a lot to grow with them. Of course, they were new converts. They were new to the Holy Spirit. They were new to, you know, changing your old ways. Um, so it was like, like a like a dating thing where you fall so in love that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're so in love with that group of people that to them, everything is new. So that's how we began 32 years ago. And we planted a church in Oxnard, in other um, countries too, Central America, Mexico. We have like five or six Iglesia Poder de Dios churches which we support and um oh it's it's been a journey it hasn't been easy because ministry is not easy don't think oh because i'm telling you you know it happened this is the way to, there were a lot of struggles the enemy was so angry and opposed to what we were doing but again we saw god's miracles week after week we couldn't stop there was no way we were going to stop the enemy was not going to intimidate us he was not going to sow uh, fear in our lives we just continued trusting him uh, more than anything I mean we didn't have again we didn't have a lot of people that said you do it this way you do it but we had the Holy Spirit and Jesus and that was enough to carry us on uh, to where we're at right now. If I would have to do it all over again, I would. We would. We're that crazy. <laughs> Even though it wasn't easy, we are that crazy, but crazy for Jesus and to see him work in the lives of people like we've seen him. So now you have this responsibility, planning a church. Now, and both of you are leading this church. How as a couple who are now who are now in charge of not only your own family but the family of God how did you prioritize 
your church life, your church responsibilities, and your family responsibilities. And I think once we got married, it was just him and I. And then when we started the church, we had been married already for two years and a half. And so then um, we had we had talked about it and we said, you know, we're going to serve together for two more years, but then we want to start a family. And so then, you know, that time came. I have heard so many stories about PKs, uh, pastor's kids, and I have heard stories from, you know, the pastoral family about how hard it has been for them um, raising their children when they have given it all to the church. And so for me, hearing all those stories, it really would really get me, you know, because I was like, I don't want to make those same mistakes. When we had our little ones, I told my husband, you know, I can't, I would, I would always make this expression. Like we, we started running together, you know, we would run together, you know, it's like, we would do everything together. But now that we have little ones, I told them now I, I can run at the same pace as you. And, and it's not because I don't want to, it's not because I, you know, I don't love what we do, but it's because right now my priority is our little ones. And I don't want us both to be, you know, everywhere and in everything. And where are we going to leave our little ones? They do not come second. They're our first priority. You know, we really had to have those conversations. It was hard because my husband was used to me being with him, like in everything. And so I told him, I can't go to every meeting. I can't even be part of everything that the church, you know, does. I can only help in certain areas now because I'm going to be very busy with the, I just want the kids to feel that at least one of us is always there, always. So um, we started, you know, working like that, really saying, okay, I'll support you in these areas when I can, but um, I'm not going to commit a hundred right now because the, the kids really do need me. We, we need to be present and I want them to have a relationship with Jesus, but they're, they're only going to do it if they see us, you know, being present, being involved, you know, you know, I like serving and I like to be active in the gifts that God has given me, which is teaching and with the women's and, and different ministries that I really do love, but I have made a choice where I serve in certain areas. And so when I'm serving or I'm involved, like tonight I had a Bible study for women's and I'm doing it through Facebook live or zoom. And so my husband stays with the kids. You know, and so tomorrow he has a meeting, you know, with the worship team and all this stuff. So I stay with the little one. So that's how it looks for us right now. It's like, if I have something, he's going to be there. We had to come to that, you know, to really that agreement and to make that a priority because the other, you know, stories that I would hear is that both of the parents were so involved that the kids would get lost. You know, they would end up with somebody else or they would end up hanging out the wrong crowd. And now they were not even in church. And we didn't want to make those same mistakes. We wanted to learn from those mistakes and, and do the best we can. Obviously, you know, we're not perfect, but we try to do the best that we can. Well, for us, after Bible school, we ended up dating. Um, we dated for three years and we got married. So uh, we always worked in ministry together. So it was always at, a, at that same pace. Uh, when we had kids, we were still, um, when we had my our firstborn, we were still in ministry, kind of helping out the pastor, being involved, but it didn't look like at a fast pace. And then we transitioned into becoming senior pastors. Then it kind of transitioned of like, let me stay home when I can. I knew when it was important or when it was like, you know what, on this one, I need to stay home. And now how it looks like with our kids, because they're a little bit older, uh, Alexis is five and Ezekiel is four. We talk to them a lot. We tell them mommy and daddy are going to go serve um, God. Like when my husband's um, 
you know, doing his notes. I tell him he's talking to God and they understand that. And they're able to be accessible to him. He lets it, him them come into the office. And that's how it looks like that. So that way I, I always tell them, I want them to have access to you. I understand ministry is God's kingdom and we're building it. But at the same time, these are our babies and we're the first ones to teach him about God. The way we serve them, they're going to serve God. And we make it very well known, like you guys are our first priority. But today it's unfortunately, we're going to have to do ministry and we're not going to be here all day. There's times that I've had to stay home. And right now he's taking care of the kids too. <laughs> so it, it's been a very fun dynamic. I feel like I keep up with him when I can. And when I don't, it's okay. It's not where, oh my God, it's the end of the world. How dare you not go? It's more like, okay, I understand this one. You're going to not be there. And there's other times where I, you know, he stays and I go. And that's how it's been working so far. <laughs> 40 years ago, unfortunately, we were taught ministry comes first and then your family. Since my husband and I didn't have any relatives or nobody really in the Christian, you know, around us to tell us, to teach us, uh, we would take our kids everywhere we went. Uh, I had a two-year-old when we started uh, the church. I had a two-and-a-half-year-old and a 10-year-old. So we would take them everywhere because I didn't want to leave them with new converts when we started, you know, they were new families coming to church. They were just beginning to know of the Lord. So I always had that, um, that in my mind, like, I don't know if they're mature. I don't know if, you know, they're take, they're going to take it against my kids. I always felt very, to be very protective of my kids. Um, later on in time, I had someone that took care of them, but again, it wasn't instilled that family was first ministry was first. And even though we would go to workshops and, and things like that, it was said families first, but in the everyday role of pastoring or even planting a church, family wasn't first. It was like, you go full speed for the ministry, you know, no self-care for you, um, all these things. We were like gung-ho for the ministry. And later in the years, you know, we, we picked up our bill of maybe not being healthy enough, but that, that's another subject. But in our case, we took our kids everywhere, told them all the benefits of serving Christ, all the good perks of serving, because I wanted them to be, when they grew up, to be not only proud of mama and papa, but that they would aspire to go into ministry. Um, it's our responsibility, moms, to make it look like, wow, God's calling is the best thing on earth and proving it at home by serving with joy, being faithful to God so that you model that from the day that they're born. So I'm impressed to hear these young moms talk the way they're talking and just doing the things, you know, the right way. So it was different. Again, 40 years ago, it was different. But thank God that he gives us wisdom and he prepares us. When he calls, he prepares, he, he gives you whatever you need. There's no excuse. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. When, when you sign up and God is your 
mentor per se. Later, beautiful, you know, mentors came alongside, but I'm glad that they were with us the whole time. We just wouldn't leave him. We would take him in our, because we were both together. And my husband would always say, Lupita, the Lord called us together. So as much as we could, we would go together. And again, when, when I couldn't, then I would be the one staying behind because of what uh, you both of you have mentioned already. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I can only imagine how difficult it is to already raise a family, right? And then take over um, a church as well. And uh, as someone who grew up in church myself, I'm not a PK, but I grew up in church. I was raised in a church where ministry was number one. Uh, what do you mean you didn't come to church because it was your daughter's birthday? Or what do you mean you didn't come to church because your son um, had honorable service tonight or had a had a band concert tonight? You know, God comes first. And so when I actually started ministry, I had that mentality still just just, you know, in 2006, that, that was still my mentality like that. And I'm single with no kids. Okay. So I'm over here running myself. It was my mother who had to call that out on me. Like, you're not taking care of yourself and you're running ragged and, um, and that's not a healthy habit to have. And so I can imagine the discipline and the communication you have to have with your husbands, you know, to make sure there's that balance. Uh, between home and church. As co-pastors, did you ever feel that the expectations were different between you and your husband? Like for instance, being that you are mothers, some pastors' wives or pa pastoras, sorry, um, would get criticized for being a pastor because they're a mother. However, their husband would not be criticized for being a pastor and a husband or, and a father, right? So did you ever experience, you know, being held to a different standard than your husband as pastors? At the beginning of our ministry, uh, I was a worship uh, leader uh, when we started. That was my role. I was the worship uh, leader in all the services and my husband would preach and teach. So whenever I took the pulpit to teach or preach, we had basically back in those days, a lot of people from like Central America and their culture was completely different. Not most of them, but a good portion of them resented the fact that, uh, that I stood behind the pulpit to preach. That was not a woman's place. She could sing, she could cook, she could do all the potluck uh, and organize all these things in the kitchen. But behind a pulpit, that was a man's job. And I remember um, my first years when um, I was already preaching when we started pastoring because I used to be um, the district regional rep which back in the days, it was like five states, Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, and um, yeah, five states. Um, and I was also the sectional rep. So I was already, I had pulpit ministry already. So to me, it was very norm. I've always loved preaching and teaching. 
but the criticism that came from the men would take me to tears. And some of them would even tell my husband, like, that's not a woman's place. I thank God that my husband always valued the gifts that God had given me. And he always said, Lupita, don't, don't pay attention. You know, that's their belief. But I know that God has called you to preach. I, I, I receive when you preach, I'm edified. So you do what God has called you to do. So I'm, I'm glad he always lifted me up. But there was a, a point in time where I just didn't want to preach because I didn't want to hear it. Not only that, but men would get up in the middle or at the beginning of the sermon and just leave. So that was an indication to me, okay, they really resent uh, a woman, you know, taking the pulpit. It was okay if I was singing. It was okay if I was doing anything other than teaching. But when my husband kept on telling me, Lupita, can you preach this day? No, uh, I would always find an excuse, but I didn't want to tell him that I had been hurt because of their comments. And I, I just, I, I didn't want to do that until he said, you know what? I've asked you many a times and you keep refusing. Are you okay? Are you in sin? And you don't want to let me know. I mean, he, he, he made all this. I said, no. So I had to tell him, you know what? I'm hurt and I, I just don't want to be hurt again. I know what God is. And he just said, well, you just get up in that pulpit. And if you have to bring some men to account, you, you have my permission. But you're not going to sit on your gifts to avoid criticism. If they don't believe that women can stand behind the pulpit and preach, this is not their church. They can go somewhere else. So I was like, oh. Okay, I'll do it. So that one Sunday I got up, I preached and I remember clearly, I didn't even think about it, but I said, you know what? The anointing does not fall on a pair of pants or even on a skirt. It falls on whoever God gives them that anointing. It wasn't in my notes. I had no intention of saying it. It just came out from my soul. And that was that. From there on, we would make our agendas because we, we share the pulpit, preaching and teaching. I mean, that's what we do. We, we pastor together. We are no in competition. We are not who's better than who. We both respect whatever God has given us. And I think that is what has kept us all these years, all these years loving ministry and loving it, doing it together as a team, because God called us to be a team. So that was the end of that. Another uh, time where a lot of comments were being made, whether the pants should be in the pulpit or not. That was another time where I said, honey, I'm going to make a stand. And I believe that was back in 96 or 97, because our church was divided amongst the women, young women that were coming in ministry. I, I'm not, I'm getting a little bit off the subject, but let me just say this. I think it's, it's necessary <laughs> to say it. And uh, we had kind of like a division, not a church split, but 
the younger girls that were coming in with pants, the older women were telling them to take them off because it wasn't proper. So I saw that women's ministries was divided amongst those two groups. And it was more of like a Pharisee spirit than anything else. So I told my husband, I'm going to make a stand this Sunday. I'm going to preach in pants. And he said, I've never told you not to do it. That's been your choice. But see, again, it, it had been my choice because of criticism, because of the culture that was coming from, you know, other countries that were trying to impose it on our church. And we are AG. They were AG in their country. So anyway, so I said, okay, I'm going to take a stand. If the church splits for that, he says, well, if the church splits for that, then we have a lot of babies in the congregation. And that's just that. The babies can go and they can be, they can go be bottle fed somewhere else. I see. So I stood behind the pulpit, didn't preach anything about the attire of a woman. I just preached the word, prayed that God would just you know, come down and, and give us one of those Holy Ghost Pentecostal services where, you know, nothing to be said, but the glory of God came down. And that's how it was. And that was the end of that issue forever and ever and ever. I'm just going to record myself clapping. I was having church while you were talking. Okay, can the church <laughs> say amen? Amen. Mic drop here. Boom. That's so cool. Your husband had your back. He said, forget them. He said, boy, bye. You can go, you can go get bottle fed. I love it. Oh, he's a G. That's so awesome. I'm so glad you were faithful, that sister, because you have inspired a generation of female pastors that I know are pastors today who have been fed by you. And I'm so grateful that you didn't give into that Pharisee spirit. You didn't give into that machismo. And I'm so happy that you had a husband who was able to recognize your calling and wasn't afraid to ruffle a couple of feathers because he knew his calling. Oh, okay. Well, I have, I had some of that encounter as much as Sister Lupita. I don't think so. <laughs> But I think um, during that season in life, when you transition into something different, I believe that God also guides you and you have to be very attentive to how you do it. Because if you do it in the human culture way, the way I would probably just show up and say, I don't care. This is how it's going to go. You know, it's going to go different. It's going to go south right away. But when you enter it with the timing of God and you enter and you know your, your husband and the pastor is in the same page as you, I think you just honor God at that point too. That's why God calls us at different timing. I would not probably survive that era. I would have been like, say what? Pastor Diarita would have had to take off her hoops and throw down. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay. For me, I don't, I don't think they have made such a difference, I think, with my husband and me. But I do, I did feel as soon as we came in, I, you know, I did feel that they would compare me a lot to the pastor um, that they had previously because we had a, you know, pastora. 
And so I had seen a pastora, you know, growing up and I love that, you know, I, I admire her. I respected her. I love the way she would preach and teach and the way she would dress. She was such a classy lady. I, I love everything about her. So, but when I came in, you know, I was about, um, what was it, 24 years old when we started the church. So I was super young and um, I was not even, you know, we had been married two years. So I have, was not even a mother. I had don't I didn't have a lot of experience being married. So that was a lot of intimidation for me because I did have people older than me. And so, you know, they would look at me and they would say, what are you going to teach me? You know, like, what, what can you teach me? And so I felt I was compared a lot to her. So that would bring a lot of pain into my heart. And it would make me feel very discouraged because I was young. I did not have that experience. I... I did I so many times I would come to God and I would cry and I would say God like why am I here like I should not even be here I'm so young I have so much to learn so much to grow I and um it was really hard for me I knew I I wanted to teach and I wanted to preach you know and so my husband was very encouraging to me he would tell me like you know you have been called we're not here because of accident we did not place ourselves here you know God opened these doors and we got to do what God calls us to do and, you know, we might not have the experience, but he, he would tell me, you know, but we have the heart, Erica. And, you know, the wisdom comes from God. It does not come from us. And so we just got to seek him and we just got to do and live out our faith. That's really what we do. You know, we got to remember what Paul told Timothy, you know, to be of testimony. What I love, what I super, super love, and this whole interview is just the supportive husbands that you have. And so I can imagine, I mean, just being a leader, period, is difficult, but um, being a pastor, you know, comes with with difficulties and trials. Couples come to you for marriage advice, right? How do you and your husband cope with your relationship? Who do you go to for relationship advice, for, for family advice, for wise counsel, well, in the beginning, when we first started, I will say that for me, it was very lonely because I didn't have a lot of um, people that were doing the same thing that we were doing. You know, now our friends, a lot of them are in ministry now and they're doing pastoral work. But in the beginning, um, I think we were I think we were the first ones that started, too, from our generation. And so and I was very lonely. I will say that, you know, it was hard because I didn't know who do I confide in. I, I know I couldn't go anybody in the church, you know, but I felt like, who do I go, God? I, I, I you know, I started praying, God, you know, give me mentors, you know, people that I can um, go to that have experience that can just, um, just guide me through all this and, you know, seek wisdom. I remember that, um, I did try to reach out, you know, to other pastors that were older than us, you know, according to what they had already been doing and, and so how they were living. I, we try to, you know, grasp to those pastors that had healthy ministries, healthy families, healthy marriages, and, and they were raising children too, or they had already raised their children and just, you know, learn from them, but they didn't come right away. You know, I do feel like what Pastor Lupita I was saying, you know, like in the beginning, it was just really God in us. And, you know, in those moments where, you know, it was lonely and it was hard, um, I feel like God really started 
working in me and really developing me. You know, I, I always tell my husband, I felt like I had to grow up fast, man. You know, I was just, I was 24 and about to turn 25. And I felt like I had to grow up so fast and, you know, leave anything that would stop me from growing, you know, and any kind of attitude or immaturity that I was carrying, like I was right away exposed, like right away, you know, by the Holy Spirit. And he would just be like, you need to grow up in this area. You cannot be like this, you know, and because I did go through um, a season when I had my first baby, after I had him, I did go through a season of postpartum depression. I did like six months. And um, I, during that time, you know, somebody from the church that I care for hurt me too, you know, uh, that I felt betrayed. And so all of that was going on. I was in so much emotions. And during that time, I felt, I remember one of my prayers was like, God, I do not want to stay here bitter. I do not want to serve you bitter. Like, I do not want to be like some people that I have seen that serve you, you know, that say they love you, but man, they're bitter. I don't, I want this to make me better. I want to serve you with joy. And so I remember doing the, that season, you know, one of my friends that now she's actually working with us, um, Pastora Ruth, she, she was the one I would call and she would call me and we would pray together. And I just, you know, started really allowing God to do, you know, everything in my heart. And I know that everything that we go through, even in the ministry, is to help us and also to see people with more compassion and to be more loving and to be more kind. And now that I look back, I say, thank you, God, because I needed to go through those processes. I needed to grow. And so now, you know, now we have our friends that are also doing pastoral and it's so nice to connect with other people that are doing the same things that are you're doing and that we can be, you know, we can laugh about things, you know, even, you know, when they're hard and stuff, or we can cry together, you know, when it is difficult, we can call each other out and just be like, you know, I'm going through this and, and just feeling that support is such as I do believe we need it. It's important because sometimes that's all we need. We just need someone to hear us, you know, and we just need to say the things that are going through our mind out loud. And I do believe that when we do that, it just brings a better perspective you know we, we we think we can see things now with more clarity and also i believe that when we confess it brings a lot of healing in our hearts and so to me having a community and do having people around you that love you that are mature that have you know that same desire to serve god and that you know are living that godly life it's so important okay going back a few years i was 29 <laughs> when we started the ministry and uh, now I see how fortunate we were to have a couple of couples that had been in ministry pretty much the same way we were beginning ministry with both of them being ministers. They had graduated from uh, LABI. They were like 30 years older than, than us or than me. But that couple, they're now with the Lord. But I felt so lonely because it, it can get lonely, especially when you're starting ministry, you don't know what to expect, or you don't know what expectations people have on you as a um, new pastor. So um, I remember going to, to my friend, my sister, um, she was four hours away, but that phone was constantly ringing from my end to her she always made herself available. I have so much to thank that couple. And my husband could go to the, um, to the man, to the pastor and say, you know, this and that. But I thank God for those couples that God placed in our lives 
But what I've tried to do in my own life, um, I would say in the last 15 years, is whatever I felt I lacked in the beginning of, of ministry, give it to other women in ministry. Be their support. Just be there to hear them out. Just be available. And to know that your life can be a blessing to another pastor's wife or pastor leader, that's, that's amazing. So I've tried to do that. Whatever I didn't have in the first decade of ministry as a, a, a woman preacher or uh, taking the pulpit at, at the church, whatever I felt I would have loved during those, that's what I've tried to do uh, in the last 15 years. And we have to guard our heart. Um, just like you said, sister, you know, we need to um, guard our heart from any resentment because we can easily become resentful of things that happen in our life, in ministry, at church, but we have to guard our heart because the minute we allow that to come into our hearts, we won't be able to serve him like, like he deserves to be, to be served. Well, I have, I believe, a small group of friends um, because I do understand that, you know, sometimes when you share too much to the wrong crowd, they could eat you alive. I've also had pastoral friends that as, you know, we finished Bible school, um, we went into ministry, not right away, but we've kept that closeness and I appreciate them because we are able to still hang out to this day and, you know, just share our experience as ministers and sister Lupita, you have been one um, that have, you know, checked up on me and to say, how are you doing? And I appreciate those moments. Um, and they have been a blessing to me. Um, when we first started ministry, my husband got hit with something really bad. And I remember going to my girlfriend and say, look, I don't know how to be a, a wife right now. I don't know. He's going through something so hard and I don't know how to be there for him. And my friends looked at me and just say, daddy, don't do nothing. Just be there. And I said, just the way we are sometimes to you, just do that to him. And I remember realizing like, yeah, that's what I need. You know, like you just need a reminder. Sometimes a friend to tell you that like, okay, how do I act right now? <laughs> and it's, you know, and that that's what I needed at the time. I, during that season, I even sat with sister Lupita and, and I remember her looking at me and saying, who do you, who do you think you are like in ministry? And then she looked at me and she goes, I think you know who you are. Cause I know who you are. And that just impacted me so much. And I was like, oh my God you know, and I have like my, my sisters, I have two sisters that if I just want to be goofy and stuff, I just do that with them. And, you know, so I cherish every moment that I am with different people. And I just learn from every moment, believe it or not. I, anytime I'm ministering, I'm learning as well. Um, but I do have this close village with me too. And I'm not letting none of you go. That's all I'm saying. Pastors, I thank you for your strength. I just thank you. I thank you so much for you and your families who continue to be faithful every day, who give of yourselves, you know, to your congregation, to your families. Thank you for just sharing today. So what I'm doing at the end of each episode is I'm asking my guests just to share a, a final word 
what is some advice that you can give anyone who is married or is about to enter the same role that you are in? Hold on dearly to God. He is the anchor to everything. He is your guide to every moment, um, even in those moments of discouragement. Ministry is a roller coaster. Um, it's there's moments where you're just like, where does this come from? You know, just embrace the journey that God has called you to for both of you. I would say just be yourself. Don't doubt. Just, you know, press on and just grow in your relationship with God because that's the most important thing. You know, a lot of the times we can get a little, you know, lose track. We, we get so busy of doing, 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 and we forget of just being the child of God. And it's so important to remember that he loves us, that he loves us. And that's why he called us and that he wants us to do everything, you know, and that his plans are so beautiful, but he wants us to remember that he wants to spend time with us, you know, that he's not so worried about how much we're going to accomplish this year, how much we're going to do, but that we can come to his feet and that we can just be remembered that he wants to, you know, take our burdens and just, you know, talk to us and just bring us peace and rest. And those things are so important. Be yourself, spend time with the Lord, grow in your marriage too, you know, spend time together, you know, um, make time for one another, have conversations. You know, you're going to have a lot of conversations about ministry, but also have, you know, those other conversations about you too, you know, your dreams, your desires of what you feel God is leading you guys to do, you know, and your personal life, you know, going back to school, if that's something you guys can do or, you know, growing your family, whatever that looks like. I think that's important too, because God wants us to, you know, have a life too, you know, it's part of the ministry. And sometimes we can, you know, get so caught up in so much and that we forget. My advice would be uh, if you have a call of God in your life to pastor a church or to co-pastor with your husband, uh, don't run away from that call. Don't put excuses. Almost everyone in the Bible that God called uh, in the Old Testament or new, they had all these excuses. <laughs> uh, they felt inadequate. One couldn't talk. Another one just don't give excuses. If he calls you to ministry, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the things that you're struggling with. He knows where, what areas you feel inadequate to serve. We tend to say someone else could do a better job. Someone else is holier. Someone else knows the word of God more than all these excuses. Trust God. You can trust God with your life, with your present, with your future. There isn't anything better in this world to serve him here and know that we have a reward in heaven. Whatever we do for him, that's eternal. And there's no greater joy than to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Spend time with your husband. One thing that my husband and I did, and this came more from him, then from me, when we started pastoring, he said, Lupita, every year, we're going to take time for ourselves. For our anniversary, we're going to go away. Whatever money we have in the pocket, if it's a little something, a little cheapy hotel, we'll go there. But if there's more money in the pocket, 
we'll go to a better place, whatever, but this will be our time. So take time to invest in your marriage. And I know I, at the beginning, I had a hard time because I had kids and he would say, no kids, this is our time. But honey, the little one, but honey, the big one, but no, this is our time to refresh, to restore, to renew. Now going back in time, I know that God gave him this so we would work on issues that needed a little softening. You know, we, we get a little rough on the edges and we need to talk, we need to discuss, we need to come in agreement. And that helped us so much coming back to church and doing ministry and focusing on couples that were struggling in their own marriage or, you know, their family life. So if God has called you, don't hesitate. There's no better thing in this world than to serve the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. Amen. I just want to thank you, Pastor Diarita. Thank you, Pastor Erika. And thank you, Pastor Lupita, for taking this time to share of yourselves, to share of your experience. If you're pastoring with your husband, I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you out. I've, I just hope this is a blessing to all who listen. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you all next week.